Amen. Thank you guys. That was fantastic. I had a great morning this morning. I got up early and came and listened to Pastor Raymond. Had a little church and the, the, the music has been wonderful. I want to thank everybody at uh, Rockbridge for their gracious welcome. Um, all the notes of welcome, the, the emails, the different ways you have welcomed me um, have just been a tremendous blessing. And I'm thrilled to be here. Um, someone asked me if I was settled in. Settled? Probably not. In? Yes. Uh, so we're working on that. So th this is a unique time, um, as we all are well aware of. Uh, with the pandemic and the riots and the protesting. And yeah, I mean, this is just a, a, a unique time. And there's been a lot of first and uh, preaching my first sermon at a new church, mostly over uh, the web or streaming is, is a first for me. Uh, some, some first aren't that good. I'm not thrilled about that one. I am thrilled about this is the first time on a Sunday morning that I'm preaching in jeans. Uh, so I, I, I like that first. Um, Going to get used to that quickly. Um, but I've learned, even though my contact has been limited, and let me stop right there. And I want to give an invitation for invitations. In other words, I want to meet with as many of you as possible. Uh, it could be a coffee, it could just be a meeting at the church, it could be at your house, uh, dinner, um, lunch, breakfast, whatever it might be. It could be individual families and individual small groups, uh, whatever you're willing to invite me to, I want to come because that's going to be my primary way of getting to know all of you. Uh, so I am giving you an invitation to invite me to eat with you. Um, so um, any way we can do that, I'm eager to get to know you as quickly as possible. So as um, the people I have met have been very gracious, the small groups that I have met with uh, have been tremendous. And I've learned about uh, the spirit of Rockbridge, very Christ-centered, very loving, very welcoming. Um, I love your slogans or, or your vision statement, right? Uh, bridging people to Jesus, the rock, and by loving, learning, and launching. And so as I read that and I began to talk about um, what I might preach on, I thought, well, let's start at the beginning. Let's start at the foundation. Uh, let's start uh, uh, talking about love. And so that's going to be a little four-week mini-series. We're going to talk about some different aspects of love. Uh, the first one I want to talk about this morning is going to be the aspect of the witness of love. And before we go uh, to the message, would you pray with me? Dear Lord, I thank you for this time to be here. Lord, I thank you for uh, bringing me to this church and for their heart for you, their love for you, their love for one another, their love for the community. Lord, I pray that as we begin this season in ministry together, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would bless us, lead us, guide us, that we would never seek our own will, but in all things we would seek your will. So Lord, I ask that your Holy Spirit be abundant here, that your Holy Spirit would lead and guide the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth, Lord, that you would guide and that each one of us here today are listening 
would receive the message that you have for us through these words. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So love, right? It seems kind of simple at first that in most of our most of our big moments in life, or at least for me, have been centered around love. Love of children, love of wife. Uh, we had a big moment in our family last night. Some of you have already jumped on my Facebook and we're friends, and so you might have seen it. My youngest son, I have four kids, my youngest son, Jake, uh, proposed to his girlfriend last night. And judging by the tape, she was shocked. But he did it right. He, he got this... Uh, veranda, this, this patio outside this hotel right on the lake. And as the fireworks were hitting their finale, he said, let's, I think he said something like, let's take a picture. And they turned around uh, with the fireworks in the backdrop and he got on a knee and proposed. And she was surprised. So that's all around love. And I, I'm sure you can think about your relationships of love with your children, with your families, uh, with your spouse. Love's a pretty big deal in our lives. But with Jesus, it's the biggest deal. With God, it's the biggest deal. Um, our scripture this morning comes out of John, short and sweet, short and powerful, beginning in, uh, it's chapter 13, beginning in verse 34. It says, a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So Jesus is telling us that it is by how we love one another that the world will know that we are followers of Christ. And I think it's good for a church, it's good for individuals, it's good for those of us who call ourselves followers of Christ to stop and ask ourselves the question every now and then, how are we doing? How are we doing when it comes to loving one another? And it depends which aspects. We have to be honest with ourselves. Uh, you know, when we talk about denominations and the bigger church, and there's a lot of disunity and fractions. I'm saying the world, look, see, see this is so important because the world, uh, out in the world, there's backbiting, there's pettiness. There's all kinds of things that are of the world and of the self, of the natural person. And if the world looks into a church, whether big or small, and they see people backbiting and tearing each other down and fighting and disunity and division, how's that different than the world? The answer is it's not. So how's our witness? Now, I'm not getting on you, Rock Bridge. I, th I think your witness that I've seen so far is good. But in the times that we live in, we have to be very careful that we are loving others as Christ has loved us. And if we're going to love others as Christ has loved us, we need to be clear about what that means and what that looks like. Now understand, it is not the only witness we have as Christians, right? You can look at Galatians 5.22 and there's kindness and joy and patience, faith, hope. 
All of those things, when they see those things in a Christian, it is a witness to the greatness and the love and the grace and the mercy of God. So it's, love is not the only thing, but it is the main thing. And I would put forth that all those other things, patience, kindness, the fruits of the Spirit, faith, hope, love, all those, I mean, they're all subcategories of love. When you're loving, you will be more patient. When you're loving, you will be more kind. When you know the love of Christ, you will have joy in your heart. So those are subsets. Those are uh, signs of the love of Christ in your life. And it, from the beginning, in the early church, the first 300 years with, with the, the growth of Christianity, it was in the Roman Empire that was all about power, hierarchy, reciprocity. We'll talk about more of those in just a second. But that's what the world is about. And in the midst of that, something very different, something that contrasted that uh, extremely on the other end was the love. You, you hear ancient writings after ancient writings of, of uh, people saying, but how they love one another. Christians were the first one to give. They were the first one to help to give of themselves. It was their love that was the primary witness that grew the early church. Again, there were other things, but at its foundation, it was how they loved one another. And in these times, we have to make sure that that is the foundation of us as followers of Christ. I told you that the, the world is different than the kingdom of God. Philip Yancey in his books, The Jesus I Never Knew, said, if you want to know what the kingdom of God values, what is important to the kingdom of God, just look at the world and think the opposite. See, the world is all about hierarchy, reciprocity. You know, that's what we, we barter. You give me something, I give you something. And it's about power. And Jesus Christ came and he showed a love unlike anything they'd ever seen. And he flipped the whole thing upside down. It wasn't any longer about power. It wasn't any longer about what you can do for me. It wasn't any longer about hierarchy and holding it over people. The love of Christ is first and foremost, it is unconditional. It, when, in the world, and we have to be careful, and I tell my kids this, and I talked with Jake, my son, about this, the, the love of world, the, the world, if we're not careful, it's all about what you can do for me. We love people because they make us feel good about ourselves. They make us look good. They supply uh, material goods to us. There's this business aspect there's this expectation. But with the love of God, the love of Christ, it is unconditional. First, we can't do anything for God. I mean, that sounds a little different, but bear with me. God needs nothing from us. God desires a relationship with us. 
God invites us to be a part of his work and mission and ministry in the world. Because of God's loving graciousness, he wants a relationship with you. He invites us to work, but he needs nothing. And so he loves us unconditionally. Scripture says, Romans says, while we were yet sinners, right? Reckless love, right? In the world, this is reckless because we're giving of ourselves. It is unconditional. There is nothing we can do for God, but God invites us into a loving relationship with one another. That's why he gave us this gift of free will. And that's a... That's a Dicey gift right there, right? Because free will is the thing that allows us to love. We can't love somebody if we're forced into relationship with them. The only way you can love is to choose to be in relationship with, you, with a person or with God. And so God, out of his great mercy, out of his great love, gave us this wonderful gift that allows us to love. The problem with it is, is also the core of our sin. If we use it for what God intended it to, it is the biggest blessing. And we, full, we f- fulfill the first two commands, to love God with all our heart, mind, and soul, and to love one another. But, go back to Genesis 3, at the core of original sin, what is it? It's selfishness, and it's choosing your own will over God's will. Your own will over that of what's better for somebody else. That's at its core. But God said it's worth the risk. And God gave us a plan That once we've used that free will for our own benefit, once we've used it selfishly in Jesus Christ, we can come back and say, I made a mistake. I no longer want my will. For those of you who maybe didn't grow up in the church or did or went away or just lived life long enough and tried your own will. Didn't work out too well for me. I don't know about you. But I finally decided I don't want my will for my life. I want God's will, Christ's will. And so God gave us this opportunity. It is unconditional. There, some of you might have heard this, but it's important to remember. There is nothing you can do to make God love you more. And there is nothing you can do to make God love you less. Because God's love is not about you. And who you are. It's about God. And who God is. It is unconditional. And it is also selfless. When we want to know how has Christ loved us. That we might love other people. We see that the love of Christ is selfless. In Mark 10. uh, 45 in those areas. The the. Disciples, a couple of them are trying to, to um, find their spot in the hierarchy, right? They're trying to get on the left and the right. When Jesus comes into power, all of these things we see in the world because they misunderstand his kingdom. They think it's of the world. And so they're trying to decide who, who gets to sit on your right and who gets to sit on your left. Who's going to be second in the hierarchy when you come to power? 
And Jesus, I, I don't know if he did this a lot. I see Jesus doing this a lot. Shaking his head, going, you don't understand. He said, in the world, the Lord, the people that are in power, that are in the hierarchy, they lord it over people. But that's not so with you. That's not so in my kingdom. In my kingdom, if you want to be the greatest, you have to be a servant. For the Son of Man that did not come to rule, but to give his life selflessly, to be a servant. In, in the Gospel of John in 13, at the, at, when Jesus washed the disciples' feet, he took on the lowest servant's role. He said, you call me Lord and teacher, and rightly so, that's what I am. But I, your Lord and teacher, now am washing your feet. And this is an example that I have set for you, that you, this is how you should serve one another. This is how you should serve others. Jesus said in John 15, there is no greater love than this, than one would give their life for a friend. Selflessly. That's how Jesus loves us. And it has to be selfless because Jesus calls us to, when we, again, we get back into that reckless love. It's not just about loving those that love us. Scripture says, even the world does that. Love your enemies. Love those you're angry. See, hate is a natural instinct. Anger is a natural instinct. Lashing out is a natural instinct. All that is, is easy. It comes natural to us. We need the power of the Holy Spirit if we're going to love like Christ. To love those we disagree with. To love those that are our enemies. To pray for those that persecute us. That's reckless. But that's what we're called to. And that's how we are called to love others, to love one another. Because that kind of love is a witness in this world because it's different from this world. And finally, the love of Christ that goes with the selfless aspect, it's sacrificial. It lays down his life. As he said, there is no greater love than one would give their life for someone else. And that doesn't just mean in death. Jesus says he gave his ministry. He says, foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He gave his life in ministry. And we're called to sacrifice for the sake of other people. To lay down our lives, our time, our materials. To give for the sake of others. To, for the sake of the kingdom. And this is how we're called to love. It is sacrificial. In Ephesians chapter 5, it talks about husbands and wives. And how they are to love one another. I use this a lot in marriage counseling. And, and so they'll come in and, and we really don't get past the early verses in there because it says, and especially in like a, a different version, it sounds really harsh. It says, wives, submit to your husbands as they are Lord. 
We don't really get past that because the guy said, this sounds good. And the wife said, that, no, sir, right? So we have to read it and expand and understand what it's saying because it says, wives, submit to your husbands. But then as you read down, it says, husbands, sacrifice for your wife as Christ sacrificed for the church. How did Christ sacrifice for the church? He gave everything. And the scripture says it's, it's not even really about husbands and wives. It is. It's about all relationships. When you're in a mutual self-giving relationship, it, the more selflessness and sacrifice that you have, the better the relationship will be. But it says that this is really about Christ and his church. Christ sacrificed for his church. And the church should submit to the lordship of Christ. So really, it's a beautiful scripture about a mutual self-pouring out, emptying ones of oneself, submitting and sacrifice for the sake of the greater whole. That's the sacrificial love of Christ. And that's what we're called to do. And when things get chaotic, when things get out of control, when things get very complicated and confusing, like the times that we find ourselves in, we got to go back, or at least I do, I have to go back to the basics. And say, so if there's one thing, what do, what do I do in the midst of all of this? It says, love one another. Love your enemies. Love with the selfless, reckless, sacrificial love of Christ. Love as Christ has loved you. I don't know about you, but I know how Christ has loved me. Christ knows everything about me. My past, my future, my now, my weaknesses, my strengths, my struggles, my mistakes, as the saying goes, Christ knows warts and all and loves me anyway. See, that's what fuels my love. Because I can't always love as Christ loves me. I, I'm just, there's too much flesh and there's too much struggle. There's sometimes the spirit's winning. There's sometimes the flesh winning. And the thing that brings me back is that I'm honest with myself. And I know that Christ knows everything about me and loves me anyway. That verse in that song that said, you got to check your shame at the door. Not because it didn't happen, not because it's, you shouldn't be, but Christ knows And if Christ loves me like that, then I am called to love others like that. And I have no excuse for not loving others like that. So, as we begin this season in the life of Rockbridge, if there's one foundational thing that we're going to build everything else around. It is the command of Christ to love others as Christ has loved 
us. There is no witness more powerful than that witness. It's not preaching the right doctrine, although that's important. You'll find that out with me. That's a big deal. But it's not just about right doctrine. It's not about even being right all the time. It's about loving one another. And if we're loving one another, there's going to be unity. And I know it's love is deeper than what we have in common with one another. I'll close with this. I have a friend who is a lot like me. Uh, he was into sports when he was growing up. He's a big guy. He's yeah, politically we're alike. Um, uh, sports we're alike. Stuff we like to. I mean, we're 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 friends. One of my best friends. He's a real big guy, and we like to hang out. And I love him, and he loves me. Now, my oldest son, if he's watching, hi, Zachary. They love when I call him out in church. My oldest son, he's got a family. He's got a little, one of my grandchildren, and Paisley, who's four, and Declan, who's on the way in October. But he's married. He's been to the Army. He's an, I work in IT at the hospital. Very proud of how he has kind of maneuvered his life. But he's getting his own ideas. His own kind of strange brand of theology. His politics is a little different than me. He likes to watch anime. I mean, there, there's some differences there. Right? But as much as Eric and I are alike, I will never love him more than I love my son. That tells me that love is over all things. It is the foundation of love that Christ has built his church. It is the foundation of love that is going to be the church's biggest witness to the world that changes hearts and lives and transforms relationships. So as we move forward, it's the first one in your vision, love. Love one another as I have loved you. By this, the world will know that you are my disciples. Let us pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for your grace and for your mercy. I thank you for your love. Lord, the kind of love that knows everything about me. The dark parts, the light parts, the strengths, the weaknesses. Lord knows all things, and yet you love me anyway. Lord, I pray that you would fill us, that your spirit would guide us. And Lord, that we would be your witnesses and the world will know that we are followers of Christ by how we love one another. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.